Hello, this is Kevin McMullen, Senior Pastor of Independence Christian Center. Thanks for joining us as we break the bread of life today. Our prayer is that your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ is strengthened by this word. God bless you. We're continuing our series this morning on authority, faith, and character. When, uh, I can't remember how old Zoe was when this happened, but uh, we went out to, uh, Aaron and Lindsay were living in, uh, um, in Lexington at the time, and they were having their big city fireworks display, and I think they had it on the 3rd, it was the day before, because you, you get a better deal when you don't do it on the 4th. And we went out to their house and everything. And Zoe was so excited about going to this fireworks display. And at one point, you know, she kept saying, when are we leaving? When are we leaving? And finally, she just stepped up and said, come on, everybody, let's go. I'll never forget that. So we went out to the ball fields where they were going to have it and everything. And we waited and, you know, and it got dark and everything. And when the fireworks started going off, she was ready to go home. You know, suddenly it's like, oh, Wow! It was so loud. Well, I, I, I tell that little story because I remember you talk about a different response. When I, the, I remember the first time I went out to Tulsa International Raceway. I grew up in Tulsa. And they used to have those commercials. Sunday, Sunday, Tulsa International Raceway. And they had, in fact, two one team, a couple of the teams of the fastest drag racers in the whole country, Kreitz and Greer was one of them, uh, were headquartered in Tulsa. And they had the top fuel and the AAA fuel dragsters and everything, those blown things, those long like this. And I'd never, and that, it, that racetrack had been out there a long time. And I went out there and I could not believe how loud those things were. I mean, they'd come up to the, they'd come up to the, to the Christ, before they'd get to the Christmas tree, the starting line like this, and they would, uh, the, their crew put, would put bleach on the asphalt in front of the, um, in front of their tires, and they'd go, like this, and just burn them off. And what they were doing was like, getting those tires really good and hot, really good and sticky, so that they could, um, you know, they could, uh, uh, um, you know, really launch and everything. And there were, and all of us were standing there with our hands over our, you know, ears because it was just absolutely deafening. And I loved it. I really, here we are in number eight of this series. And I honestly, in some ways, feel like the last seven We've been burning, we've been getting our tires ready. Well, today we're going to launch. And we're going to be in a Christmas, um, Christmas message, of course, a week from today. But in a couple of weeks, we're going to be getting down to, we're going to be getting down really to the nitty gritty about the things we see happening around us and how we have to stand. We've got to keep, like I said a few minutes ago, we've got to keep our dukes up. Now, two weeks ago, we got to be diligent. Everybody say amen. Not two weeks ago. Last week I was sharing about the prayers, about taking our stand, taking control of the crime scene, so to speak, you know, and how that we, we, I gave us, you know, I, I, I 
shared with you the prayers out of Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3 and, and, and the, you know, Psalm uh, 91 and the, and the things that we can, we can pray with accuracy, releasing the will of God and the power of God into our lives. And I want to come back to that one from Ephesians 1 again, because I want to begin to take, you know, to, uh, you know, do, uh, to take a closer look at this. And it says he's, he prays, verse uh, 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. The better we know him, the better our radar works concerning, you know, I, we, uh, I remember when I was flying, a uh, gentleman used to be in this church before they rotated out, was a, 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 an E-8 master sergeant out at uh, uh, Whiteman Air Force Base. And he got Aaron and me, uh, 20 or 30 minutes apiece flying the B-2 simulator. And boy, was that ever fun. And I'm sitting there, uh, you know, trying to fly this, this, you know, the stealth bomber. And I asked the, uh, the captain who was the chaperone for this particular, uh, thing. I said, um, do we have threat indicators you know, and, you know, available here. And he said, we do, but they're classified. And so you're not allowed to see them. Well, when we know the Lord and we know the things of God and we press in, you don't have to worry about threat, you know, having you, uh, the threat indicators being classified. You will, it says a spirit of wisdom and of revelation. Your discerner will be operative. Everybody say amen. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That's your spirit, man. So that you will know what is the hope. And that would be the confidence. That's the way they use that word hope. Of his calling. And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us. Literally into us who believe. We're going to be talking about that power today. These are in accordance with the working of his strength or the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Paul gives us this paradigm about how he prayed over them with regularity over the saints in Asia Minor. And this official epistle rather to the Ephesians is brimming with theology. It is brimming with victory. But a cursory reading won't just won't do it, won't, won't bring that out. So let's dig in. We see several major things going here. First of all, I made reference to this already. Hope is the utter and complete confidence of that we have in his purpose and in his calling. The better we know it, the more confident we are. That's what Romans chapter 5 you know, tribulation brings about perseverance, perseverance, proven character, proven character, confidence. And confidence does not disappoint because the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And everybody say amen. Also, he uses the word inheritance. Resources are provided to us. They are limitless. Whatever we need will be there. Three of you believe that. Whatever we need will be there. 
And then it talks about the surpassing greatness of his power. Epsilon iota sigma ice or ace, depending on your school of uh, pronunciation, directly into, for us, into us. Amen. That we might have, and it says in verse 17, uh, the knowledge of him. That is not just knowledge with your head. It is an experiential knowledge. God does not want us to be walking on the bricks trying to walk out something in theory. He wants it to be uh, an experiential knowledge of him. You know, you can read every book in the world about riding a bicycle or riding a motorcycle, but until you get on it and do it, you know what I'm saying there? All right. And in, and in verse 18, we'll come at, bring that up again here. Uh, it says that you, uh, what is the hope that you, your eyes of your heart being enlightened so that you will know. That's not the word gnosko, it's the word oida. And it means to know intuitively, to have that revelation, to look at, there'll be times you look at something and you will just know. You'll know. Sometimes it'll be your knowledge of the word. Sometimes it'll be the spirit talking to you. Why? Because you are flooded with light. You are flooded with him. You are flooded with the power of the living God. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 20, it says there, in fact, I apparently, well, we just read it. He brought, which he brought about in Christ when he, the father, raised him, Jesus, from the dead. Jesus did not raise himself from the dead. The Father raised him. Jesus spent 33 years on this earth, more or less, walking out the life of a normal human, if, if you could call that, of what a normal human being can expect walking in the will and under the anointing of the Father. He never did any miracle himself. It was all done by the Father, by the Holy Spirit through him. May I say it this way? It was all done by the grace of God. And even in death, it was by the grace of God. And even the resurrection was also by the grace of the Father. Jesus Jesus didn't raise himself. He was raised by the Father. I'll prove that to you. And in that resurrection, the Father defeated once and for all principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, this, the cosmic forces in the heavenlies. That becomes important next week. Not next week, but next two weeks from today. Because we're going to start talking about the angelic spirits that are running around. Some of them are not friendly. All And they are rising in the world around us. But you got, but they're defeated. Defeated. Beaten. But you got to believe it. You got to know it. You got to know that you know that you know that you know that you know. Because you will be challenged in your faith. I assure you. How many have already, have already been there, done that, got the t-shirt? And the thing of it is, that's because we've been training because in the days ahead, the challenges will be greater, not lesser. Now, we looked at Ephesians 6 and 12. 
What did he say there? For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers. This is from the ESV. I just quoted a minute ago against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. I love the way they say that they're cosmic powers. These are the watcher class spirits and their demonic hordes, their minions who have rebelled against Yahweh, rebelled against God. They, were, they are his enemies, and therefore they are ours. Notice there it says, we wrestle, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against, what is, but against, we do wrestle. But people, aren't, wicked people aren't the problem. I use this illustration, which has the advantage of being true. When I was on the fire department in Tulsa, I, I didn't ride a tailboard, I worked in the, uh, uh, well, nobody rides a tailboard anymore, but the, uh, I worked in the, the uh, communications department on the dispatch. And w- we had firemen that would rotate through there who were injured or on light duty or whatever who would, you know, uh, work with us. And I love the stories they used to tell. And uh, because if, you're gonna be, if you've been a fireman for a while, you've got stories. And one of them, was told, one of them told us about uh, one of the... Uh, one of the fire marshals or fire sheriff, as he used to call him, who had an embarrassing uh, uh, thing in his, in, in, well, it was a funny story, in his past about a fire that broke out in what was the garment district of Tulsa there. And when his, uh, he was the first in company, and when he rolled up, he saw flames, he saw smoke coming out of a second or third story window. So he told the second in company, lay me a line. That's what you do. And so the second in company came in the line, you know, laid him a line. And so they, they charged it and they used the deck pipe. That's that uh, water cannon that's on top of it. And they put a stream right through that window. Well, when the battalion chief arrived, he went running up the stairs into the building to check out what was going on up there. And he hadn't been inside a minute before he was on the radio saying, shut it down, shut the deck pipe down, shut down the stream. And they're all looking at each other like, we see fire, we see smoke. What, what does he mean, shut it down? And so he said, you know, repeat? You know, and he could tell, and the chief said, the fire is on the other side of the building. You are squirting water or you are hosing a mirror. <laughs> so there was smoke and they could see flames, but there was this, it was the garment district. There's this huge mirror there and they were doing thousands of dollars worth of water damage and weren't even getting close to the flames. That is what doing battle with people does. It causes damage and doesn't get to the source. I love that illustration. And it, like I said, it has the additional advantage of being true. Uh, We are in hand-to-hand combat. Not with political entities (laughs) or human enemies. The real enemy is principalities. Uh, against We wrestle against uh, rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. From this day forward, do not make the mistake of thinking of it as just local. We have to think big picture. We have to think about what's happening all over the world. We have to think about what, what's going on because this, we're in the end game. This is an awesome time to be alive. 
hairy and scary, but awesome. All right. And we are dealing with those. And God is dealing with them through us. Colossians 2, 13 through 15. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he, meaning the father, made you alive together with him, meaning Jesus. Having forgiven us, how many of our transgressions? All. Is anybody besides me happy about that? Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Look at this. When he had disarmed the rulers and the authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through Jesus. He stripped them of their power. Well, not of their power, of their authority to use that power. They are still, I mean, these 70 to 72 watcher class beings, and we'll talk about them more in a couple of weeks. These are extremely powerful and eminent Elohim. In fact, Satan, although he may be the titular head, can't even make these spirits do anything. They only go along when it suits them. The kingdom or the the dominion, the the dictatorship of darkness is not unified. Amen. They fight each other sometimes as much as they fight us. Everybody say amen. But as we get closer to the end, they'll stick closer together because they hear the clock ticking very loudly. All right. And when he disarmed the rulers and authorities... He made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Now, we're going to come back to raised us with him in a minute here. But I want to go on to Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. How many of you say, I believe the word? Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, meaning Jesus, likewise also partook of the same. That through death, by means of death, he might render powerless... Him who had the power of death, that is the devil, in case you were wondering, then might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. When we look at that, he says, likewise, he also partook of the same means he shared it with us. He joined us in every way. He was fully human. He was fully God, but he was fully human. He walked through this life not acting as the second person of the Trinity, even though he was, but he laid aside all of the things he could have done and allowed the Father to do it through him, by the Spirit, by grace, so that we could see what a God-anointed human being could do. And through his death, the enemy was rendered, where it says powerless, the Greek word means inert or inactive. My grandson loves to play with his Nerf guns, of which he has about uh, at least six. 
And he's got one that's a six shooter and these barrels, this barrel goes around on the inside of it and it shoots these Nerf things out and they actually have some speed on them and some of them have a rubber tip, hard plastic tip on them. Others have, you know, a suction cup so that, you know, it might, you know, at least in theory, stick to something and everything. And he wanted to play, let's do nerf shooting. And he says, I don't want you to shoot me. I said, no, no, I'm not, you know. And so we were sitting there together shooting. He had a four, the four shooter, I had the six shooter, and we kept like that. And you know what happened? He had, you know, I taught him what to say. You know, when he'd run out, you know, bullets say, Winchester, you know, I'm out. And so uh, we, you know, and we're doing that. And that is exactly what God has done to the devil. The devil still has a gun and he'll still point at you, but he has no bullets. God just emptied every magazine he's got. The only thing he can do is try to convince you that it's real and stand there going, and get you to go, oh my gosh. But when you know that you know that you know that you know that you know, you go, you're going to have to do better than that. Well, but that only applies to those who know Jesus. You know, these people that will tell you, well, we're all going to heaven. It's not like that. That is, that is demonic. That is a doctrine of demons. Because I'll prove to you in the weeks to come that there are those who do not belong to Jesus. They are not headed for heaven. And they do not, and neither do their children even have angelic protection unless they've got a praying grandparent. Amen. We'll get there. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13. He rescued us from the domain, from literally from the authority of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved sons. Non-believers are still under the dominion, the domain, the authority of darkness. And this becomes ultra important understanding holy angels Fallen angels, whatever. More, and we'll talk about that a little bit. For, how many of you are enjoying all these commercials I'm throwing out? Once you and I are in the Father's kingdom, the enemy has no authority over your life. Only what you give him. All he has now is influence. He's an influencer. And you will find him regularly on many, you know, on lots of social media, wearing different faces. All right. And he, what kind of influence does he exert toward us? One word covers it. Unbelief. Unbelief is the anti-faith. Unbelief. Sin goes to, you know, you want to know what's at the root of sin? It's unbelief. Somebody might say, well, you know, for the world, it's, yeah, you know, if I jump into sin and I know what the word says about it and I do it anyway, it's unbelief. Carnality, fleshliness, unbelief. Self-centeredness, unbelief. Fear, unbelief. Discouragement, unbelief. How many of you with me? Pastor, obviously you never get, you've never been discouraged. Are you kidding? I have to walk this by faith just like everybody else. I get up here to preach it like, man, I got this thing knocked. And I'm better at it than I once was. But 
I, you know what? Discouragement tries to attach itself to me just like it does to every other human being on earth. And we've got to know where that's coming from. All right? We, all of those things, sin, carnality, self-centeredness, fear, discouragement, every bit of that is an expression of unbelief. If I, my faith is working, you know, hitting on all eight, when the discouragement tries to come, it's laughable. Amen. All right, come back to Colossians 2 and 13. So much for my introduction. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him. He made us alive together with him. That is a frequent theme of Paul's. When was Christ made alive? At the resurrection. That, the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth was the greatest miracle in all of history. Because it is the watershed where, where the, the, the powers of darkness were completely defeated. And the war was settled at that point. In fact, uh, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 2, I believe it's verse 8. That if the rulers of this world had known what God was doing, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. And I believe it. How was he raised? Well, Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have also been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead, look at this, through the glory of the Father. When you see the word through, just substitute the word by because it's an, instrument, it's an instrumental. And that is that the glory of the Father raised Jesus from the dead. Now, over in Romans 8, it says, if that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. So the glory of the Father, the Spirit of the Father, the power of the Father are all synonymous. It's all the same. And we were raised from the dead. There was a, when, when Jesus came out of the, the grave, there was a permanent change. When you were born again by His Spirit, there came a permanent change to you. Everybody say, I'm changed. Now, why, you know, this is the way, you know, Romans 6, 4 there, it says, Therefore, we have been buried with him in baptism through his death. Christ was raised from, as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father. Look at this last clause. So we too, we also might walk, live, breathe, eat, sleep, drink, work, etc. in newness. Of life. Newness of life. This is the beginning of the restoration. That's it. That's where it really, you know, I know a lot happened in the Old Testament and everything, but God says this is the end game. Remember, Peter got up on the day of Pentecost and said, and referred to Joel 2.28, which is an eschatological, a last days reference, and he said that the last days started at the resurrection. Why? The devil's last days 
Are you with me? He might say, but that was 2,000 years ago. Well, in the mind of God, it happened 48 hours ago. For a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day. I'm doing better preaching than you are amening, folks. Now, come on. This is good news. You know what? All I'm talking about is what God has done in us, what he has restored in us. But it's like anything else. If you, it's kind of like having a billion dollars that somebody dropped in your account and never told you. And you never check. You never balance your checkbook and you never check your balance. You go to the bank and you put in your 50 bucks and they say, would you like a balance on your, your sheet? You know, your little receipt? No, it's okay. Thank you. And they look at your account, pull it up and go, what's this guy doing fooling around with 50 bucks? A billion, 200,000, $200,362.75. I'm going to add this 50 bucks to it. But we don't know. It, it might as well not be there because I don't know. Booyah. You see, God created humanity good. And we blew it. Yes, we blew it because, you know, we, we get upset with our first parents. But the fact is that's representative of the fact that any of us would have done any of us. All of us would have done the exact same thing. And God started the last, the end game of his restoration by doing what? Restoring his man back to him. What was it my, that same professor used to say? Gospel is good news, bad news, good news. The good news is God made man upright and righteous. The bad news is we blew it. The good news is he wants us back. Hallelujah. So in Genesis chapter now, what, what's going on? Why would that be the case? Why, why, why is it important to have humanity back? Because God had a plan and he's not deviated from it. All right. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Again, from the New American Standard. Then God said, let us make man in our image. This is a divine counsel conversation. This is not internal within the Godhead. This is God with his divine counsel saying, got a new thing here. Got something I'm, we're going to do. What do you think about this, guys? We're all, yeah, we're all for it. Okay, let us make man in our image. Look at this, in our image. Everybody say image. In our likeness. Now that has nothing to do with physical. It has nothing to do with appearance. It has everything to do with status. Status. What we are, whose we are, and what we are to do. Everybody say amen. All right. And let them rule. Everybody say rule. That is exactly what humanity was created to do, was to worship God and to administrate this planet to be his imagers, to carry his image, to carry his power, to carry his glory, to carry his authority, and to be his agency and agents individually of ruling over the earth. Over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, over... And you know what? You may need to come back and listen, some of you do, listen to this message again to get... Because we are getting a lot of stuff in a very short period of time here. But it's, this is so cool. 
over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female, two genders, only two, solamente dos, two genders, not 18, not 37, no bi stuff going on, two genders, male and female, he created them. And if anybody wonders, Jesus quotes this to the Pharisees in the New Testament, reaffirming it. All right, that is truth. Not what you see in the media, not what you see pagan American uh, lore of gender blurring transgenderism. That is the goddess at work. All right. And so he created what is it? And to let them rule, let them rule. Everybody say amen. All right. Let them rule. Oh, um, Psalm 88 and 5 says, What is man that you care for him or give him any thought? You have made him a little lower than the angels. I know the New American Standard says God, but the word is Elohim, mighty ones. He made him a little lower than the mighty ones. And yes, many times Elohim does refer to Yahweh. But in this case, I believe it doesn't. It believes that, you know, that Adam and Eve were created male and female, his imagers to rule over the earth. And they were junior to the Elohim that were on the council. I believe God had a plan to bring them in. But humanity, wanting to be one of the cool kids, couldn't wait. How many of you know that impatience will just... Uh, patience is something. I mean, there, there, there will probably be no drive-through windows in heaven. Amen. I'll just leave that lying out there. All right. Over the whole earth. Now, the Nachash, the serpent, who was not an animal, but was an Elohim himself, comes up and lies to our parents. God said. You didn't know that he lifted. <laughs> has God said? And he said, you shall be as God. Well, he didn't mean, I don't think our parents were stupid enough to think that they were going to be like Yahweh. They thought they were going to be like the other Elohim. Him that they saw coming and going through the garden. You know, and, 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 all of, and they thought, man, yeah. I'm tired of being locked out of, you know, I'm tired of being on the junior varsity. I want to be on the varsity. And so you know what happened? Through the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life, they entered into unbelief. They made the decision that Yahweh was holding out on them. They made the decision that God was somehow holding back his best. And that somehow they were cheated. And somehow that this is not fair. How many of you see a lot of that in the world today? This is not fair. And so Eve took whatever the fruit was. The kumquat. The banana. The lime. Whatever it was. It was, you know, it was a delight to the eyes and good for food and. Desire will make one wise. 
the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the boastful pride of life, gave to her husband who was standing right there, and he ate as well. And humanity fell. And it looked for centuries as if God's plan was completely wrecked. But God. But God. In Jesus, specifically in his resurrect, the resurrection of Jesus, God undid it all. Jesus is not the second Adam. He's the last Adam. He's the second man. He is the head of a whole new, an entirely new humanity. Rebooted humanity. Humanity 2.0. Amen. What am I saying? The imagers are back. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm back. Hallelujah. You may not be having fun, but I really am. Romans chapter 1, because we're getting into the meat of stuff I love. I, I, I'm, you know, I, I hoover this stuff up. And the more I study it, the richer it gets. Romans 1, verses 3 and 4. Concerning his son, who was born of a descendant, literally the seed of David according to the flesh, who was declared, what? The son of God with power by, through by means of the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of what? Holiness. We're told today that holiness doesn't matter. I'm telling you, it certainly does. When you look at the title of this series, Authority, Faith, and you know, the uh, character, the tech character part is about the integrity and the holiness. If we're not going to walk in our, best, in our best desires, in our best effort to be people of integrity... That's a wide open door to the enemy. More to that on that to come. And so this new class of Elohim, sons of God. Remember when he said, uh, when, um, you know, whether it was uh, at the baptism of John or just before his death. This is my beloved or on the Mount of Transfiguration. This is my beloved son. Beloved, that, that God's not, the father's not saying this is you know, my son and I love him. He's saying, this is my firstborn. This is the one who's in charge. You may recall the parable about the vineyard and that he had turned, that the vineyard owner had turned over to these people to work it. And he sent a slave to gather, you know, his, his cut and they treated him, you know, they beat him and sent him home empty handed. And he sent another one. And they, this one they killed and everything. And finally he said, I will send them my beloved son. You know, they will listen to him. My beloved son. And what was the first thing the vineyard uh, operators, the renters said when they saw him? This is the heir. So when the father said, this is my beloved son, he's saying, this is my heir. Now, I've got news for you. The father's not going to die. Okay. You get, you get that. And Jesus died in his, you know, it, it, and, and, but has been raised. And we were raised with him. Amen. This is the images are back. This is good stuff. He was declared the son of God by that in the power of that resurrection. Well, what did we just read over here in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 6? Oh, we didn't just read it. But, but God... 
There it is. But God, our favorite scripture, being rich in mercy. How many of you are glad he's rich in mercy? How many of you have had him write several checks in the mercy department? Amen. Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with him. Look at this. By grace, you have been saved. It was the grace of God. I know it's hard to believe this because we don't think of Jesus as needing grace. But he came out of that grave by grace. Hallelujah. Raised us up with him and seated us with him, metaphorically speaking, in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We were raised with him. Now we will, you know, Jesus was raised in a glorified state. We're not there yet. In fact, in 1 John 3, 2, John tells us, Beloved, we now we are children of God. When? Now. When? Now. One more time. When? Now, now we are children of not. Not going to be. Now we are children of God. And it has not appeared as yet what we shall be. But we know that when he appears, we will be I'm going to put the word just in here, just like him, because we will see him as he is. Romans 6 and 4 again. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the father. So we too might walk in newness of life. Make no mistake. The angelic forces in this room and there might even be demons in this room. You might somebody say, well, you should tell the demons not to come to church. That would mean that the people don't come. <laughs> How many of you know what I'm talking about? You think we've seen demon possession in the past? You ain't seen nothing yet. It is increasing. It is becoming an infestation. That is what sin, and particularly the latest thing, legal pharmacia, legal sorcery, Legal drug abuse is all about is creating altered states which allow demonic spirits to enter in and do what, what, do what they want to, when they want to, how they want to. That's why we stay away from that stuff. Everybody say amen. This is, you know, we have been declared sons. We are Elohim. It has not yet... It has not yet. We are the one. I'm telling you, we are, have entered in. Yes, in a way we are junior still. But Paul says, do you not know? Neil, I'm going this way. Do you not know that you will judge angels? Now remember, Paul is a Jew and he's speaking Jewish speak. Bible speak and to judge doesn't mean to sit up there in a robe and say you're guilty. No, it means to administrate. It means to rule over. It means to direct. And so the, the risen children, the, the believers will be administrators and there will be angelic spirits working underneath them. Us. That's all, not all angels are the same. We have the watcher spirits, of which there are either 70 or 72, of which we are aware. 
But then we've got angels that keep gates and we have angels that put up furniture. Did you know that? Read over in Daniel. It said, I saw as throne, the son of man passage, I saw as thrones were set up. Well, who do you think was doing that? This is a scene in heaven. So there are angelic spirits in there setting up chairs. Laying things out. There are angels that, that, that stand and watch over the gates. They're all, I'm telling you, they're, the angels have all kinds of, somebody said, well, why does God even need, he doesn't. He decided to do that because he wants to make it a family effort. That's why he even has a council. He didn't need Adam and Eve and all of humanity to rule over the earth. He could have done it by himself, but he wanted a family. He prefers doing that way, doing it that way. And I don't think he ever came, well, no, there is, just before the flood, he had kind of, it says, he reg I've regretted that I made man. I don't think he regretted it in the sense that he wanted to blot us all out, you know, because he could have done that. Right when Adam sinned. Oh, that's it for you, you know. We are, I'm telling you, Adam and Eve wanted a shortcut. It caused us all problems. But God. Amen. If our musicians would come. Galatians 4. Beginning with verse 4. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive the adoption as what? Sons. Now, somebody might say, well, I thought I was born a son. We are. Adoption is when we move into the fullness of what God has. We walk it out. We are born again. We are his very sons. Because Keep reading. Because you are sons, look at this, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Daddy, Father, Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if, and that includes you, ladies. And if a son, then an heir through God. Woo! Hallelujah! Amen. Abba, Father. Notice the indwelling of the glory. He has sent forth the Spirit. That same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. That same glory that raised Christ from the dead. Into our hearts. That's what he was, Paul was saying over in Ephesians. That you might know the surpassing greatness of the power of his spirit into us who believe. You know, we think of grace again. I, I, I made, well, you know, here's the key. Ephesians 2, again, 4 through 6. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in transgressions, made us alive together with him. Now notice the parenthesis here. By grace, you have been saved. How were we made alive? By grace. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, two verses later. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And that 
not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. No wonder the enemy works so hard to get us into unbelief because unbelief shuts down the hose and restricts the flow of the grace, the power, the anointing, the presence, the glory of God himself operative in our lives. In fact, it says of Jesus in Luke 2 and 40, the child continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom. And look at this. And the grace of God was upon him. Still is. And that same grace is on you. That same grace is on me. We were raised with him. And that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, he will quicken your mortal body. He will give life to your mortal body. The enemy will come at you with all of the unbelief he can muster. But you have to know, you are not a servant, you're a son. You are not at the, at the, at the mercy of the beggarly elements. You are not at the mercy of the circumstances. The more I see the proliferation of the lies around us today, it's just absolutely gobsmacking the level of deceit and the level of corruption in which we live. It's, it is, it just, I, I never, every day just reveals more. All this stuff going on with the Twitter dump and everything about how the government got involved in silencing people and all that kind of stuff. I, you know, was anybody in here surprised? No. And I'm not sure it's going to change any behavior just to be candid. Thank God for a discerner living on the inside of me. Everybody say amen. The enemy will come and come at you with discouragement. He'll come at you with temptation to sin. He'll come at you with fear. He'll come at you with carnality. He'll come at you with all of those things. But having done all therefore to stand, stand and resist in that evil day, to quote Paul. Because it isn't even our faith that defeats the enemy. It's that grace of God that flows because of our faith. All I'm doing is making a way for the power of God to come in. That's all you're doing. And saints, let's all stand. We've already won. Everybody say, I've already won. Amen. So don't let the mess that is around us convince us otherwise. If you watch the news enough, you will get depressed. If you listen to the world long enough, you'll begin to say, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I remember a preacher used to tell the story about he was a pastor and his his uh, their church was facing something scary and you know and they were talking and he was having a board meeting and they have four or five deacons there and he said I just sat there and watched as they talked and got just got more and more fearful and more and more wound up about the situation and finally one of his men looked over and said my God what are we going to do and he said well we're just going to act like the word of God is so and he said the guy went Oh, yeah, it is, isn't it? You know, it's amazing when you remember that God is faithful. 
It is amazing when you remember that God is, will not be defeated and that you can't be defeated either if you will stay with him. Everybody say, hey, man, that's so good. I mean, man, turn to somebody and say, man, the pastor's doing a great job today. Hallelujah. It's his grace. So we're, you know, somebody, but look at the sin around us. Well, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And in him, we have grace upon grace upon grace. Whatever we need, however much we need it. So I say to you, and this includes you ladies within this, rise up, son of God, rise up. Because great and mighty things are in the offing. Those of you watching by web, if you are not a Christian, you are not a son of God. I know that the world talks about the fatherhood of God and the, and the brotherhood of man or sonship and all that. But the fact of the matter is, Jesus couldn't be more explicit when he told the Pharisees, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. It doesn't get any more plain than that. And so I want to encourage you, if you are not a Christian, that you need to be born again. And if you're a believer watching this, the people you know, don't just assume that everybody's going to heaven. The unbelievers, the non-believers, the non-Christians that you know, they're not going to heaven. They must be born again. That's what Jesus said to Nicodemus. You must be born again. How do you do that? You believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God and that God has raised him from the dead. How would you pray that? You would just say, Father, and this is from your heart. Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that you've raised him from the dead. I believe. I believe. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. And if it will make you feel any better, you can say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I repent. That's not a bad thing to pray. Believer. We're entering into a day where the casual Christianity, we're, we're there and it's going to intensify. The Lord warned this congregation 20 years ago that a lot of Christians were going to be left behind because they couldn't keep up. And it's not because God doesn't love you. It's not because God doesn't care. It's because our, we haven't been feeding our faith. We haven't been... Uh, training. We haven't been walking in that obedience. We haven't been building our houses on the rock. Both men came, both men heard. Jesus didn't represent the guy who built his house on the sand as an unbeliever because that guy came to him. That guy heard the word, but he didn't do it. And great was the fall of the house. We're going to see that. I don't rejoice over that. I don't want to see anybody hurt. I don't want to see anybody wounded. But you cannot do abominable things, calling them okay with God when the scripture says otherwise. You can't stand off at a distance and think, well, you know, I don't need this. I don't, whatever God has designed. And we'll talk more about that on these Wednesday, God's faithful in our Wednesday night ser series. You need to check that out. But don't, don't delay. Get in. All the way in. All the way in. And lock arms with your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Get in that phalanx where we're all holding our shields up. And my shield doesn't just cover me. It helps the one on the right and on the left as well. And their shields also help me. It is a wonderful plan that God has for his body. Amen and amen. We hope this message has been a great blessing to you. 
and has helped build your faith in Jesus. We encourage you to visit our app, Independence Christian Center, on your cell phone available from the Apple App Store or Android, Google Play. You can also find us on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, YouTube, and Facebook, again, under Independence Christian Center, or at our website, iccfamily, all one word, dot O-R-G, iccfamily.org. Our heart's desire here is to labor with the Lord in building His body. Until next time, may God's very best be yours.